of Colossians, a series that I've titled uh, Above All as we look at the supremacy of Jesus and how as we saw last week in Colossians chapter 1, that he is to be given the place of preeminence in everything. That is, he is to be placed above all. So this morning, I invite you again to turn with me to the book of Colossians, again in chapter 1. This time, we're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29. And I'm going to talk for a few moments this morning, share some, some thoughts from Scripture on the idea of suffering and sacrifice, especially as it relates to putting Jesus above all. Let me offer this kind of disclaimer at the outset that, that when I mention the word suffering or sacrifice, I'm, I'm not really referring to the normal, quote-unquote normal, sufferings of life. I think you could probably extrapolate the principles and apply it to any kind of suffering, but specifically this morning, we're talking about suffering that might arise from our decision to put Christ above all, or the sacrifice that is required to put Christ above all. And I guess we could say this as a foundational truth this morning, that if we are going to put Jesus above all, there must be some sacrifice, because Jesus being above all is not the natural posture of our hearts. The natural posture of our hearts is me above all. No one ever had to teach you to look out for you. No one ever had to teach you how to be selfish. No one ever had to teach you to make life about you. We know how to do that. That is the natural position of our heart before God and before others. And so our challenge then is to sacrifice. And when we think about sacrifice, sometimes that sacrifice might lead to sufferings. So the question becomes, are you willing to suffer and to sacrifice if it means in doing that it will make Christ above all? I told you last week that there hasn't been a, a series I've preached through in uh, however many years I've been doing this, a couple of decades now, uh, 25, 26, uh, I was trying to preach in 93, so you do the math. Uh, there, there really hasn't been a, a series that has challenged me as much in preparing as this one to put Jesus above all and what that entails. You see, one of the reasons that Paul has to write this letter to this church at Colossae, he, he's never met them, he never meets them, but uh, a friend of his planted the church, and this friend explained to him some of the problems that this church was having, and one of the questions that the members of this church had for Paul was this, Paul, if you are God's messenger, then why are you suffering? Because that doesn't make sense that the messenger of God would have to suffer. Paul, why are you sacrificing? Why are you willing to sacrifice in order to be a blessing to us? Paul answers that question. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Let's look at that text together. Colossians 1, 24, Paul says this. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister or servant according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints." 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Very clear that Paul is saying, I have sacrificed and I find joy in that sacrifice. If we were to ask Paul this question, Paul, are you willing to sacrifice for someone else? If it means that that sacrifice will put Jesus above all. Paul, are you willing to suffer? If in that suffering Jesus will be put above all. The apostle Paul would say, yes I am. And the question for us this morning is will we, are we in that position, in our relationship with Christ? Are we at that point in our discipleship of following Jesus that we would suffer and sacrifice if in that suffering, in that sacrifice, it put Jesus above all? Now, Paul, very strangely, seemed to have a sense of joy in doing this. And so, I'm going to mention to you this morning three truths that he mentioned that when we think about sacrificing, and if we think about that sacrifice maybe even leading to suffering, that how is it we can sacrifice and still have joy? How is it that we can even maybe go through suffering and still have joy? Three truths I want to bring to your attention. Number one is this. It's possible to experience joy while suffering or as we sacrifice when you focus on what is gained rather than what is given up. Okay, it's possible to have joy in your sacrifice, making Jesus above all, putting self on the back burner, him on the front burner, when your focus is on what you will gain in that sacrifice rather than what you give. See, our, again, our primary posture, our default position is to focus on what we must give up in our suffering. What must I give up to make Jesus above all? And if we will change our thinking on that, if we will change our perspective on that, to say not what is it that I must give up, but what is it that I will gain when I put Jesus above all? Look at what Paul said again in verse 24. He says, I rejoice in my suffering sufferings for your sake. He's not even suffering for his sake. It'd be one thing if he was suffering for him to get ahead of the game, but that's not, it's not getting him anything. He is suffering for the sake of others, and he said, I rejoice in that. Now, does Paul have some sadistic bent towards suffering? Is Paul so spiritual that he doesn't really care anything uh, anymore about things like freedom and, and food and comfort? No, Paul enjoyed all of those things like the rest of us, but Paul understood something that we often fail to understand. Joyful sacrifice occurs when you give up something you love for something you love even more. See, I'll repeat that because this is Paul's point. Joyful sacrifice occurs when you give up something that you love for something that you love even more. Paul loved seeing people redeemed by Jesus. 
And he loved seeing people saved more than he loved his personal freedoms or his comforts. If he had to give up those personal freedoms, if he had to give up those comforts so that people would come to faith in Christ, then he would joyfully make that sacrifice because what was gained from it was greater than what was given up. You see, rejoicing and our suffering is possible when you love what you gain through suffering more than what you're giving up in that suffering. I've heard people refer to, to, to the birthing process as, uh, as an analogy to understand this, that, that that process, there's not really anything biologically beautiful about that process. In fact, it can be quite painful and quite difficult, and it, it can last for several hours. Can I get a witness, ladies? Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, and However, <coughs> if you were to go to any mother in this room who's birthed a child and ask, was it worth it? Most of them. <laughs> See you all share. Most of them would say yes. I'm not even going to look at my daughter. Uh, <laughs> Okay, most of them would say, you know what, yeah, that was painful, that was suffering, that was a sacrifice, but if that meant having you, you're totally worth it. And Paul is telling the Colossians that's the way he feels about them spiritually. He's saying, I will do whatever it takes. I will pay whatever price I must pay if it means you can hear the gospel and you can know Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, are you sacrificing something you love? Are you sacrificing a comfort or a convenience for something you love even more? In fact, do you love even more the fact that the gospel can go forth into Milton, Santa Rosa, County, Florida, and the world? Are you rejoicing in the sacrifices you have made because of what you see God doing through those sacrifices in the lives of others? It is possible to sacrifice and to have joy in our hearts when we do, when our focus is upon what we gain rather than what we give up. Number two is this. It's possible to experience joy while suffering and in our sacrifice when you understand that God uses suffering to advance the gospel. Now, this second point, this, this is not popular, and I understand that. This will not win me any Grow Your Church awards as we look through this point. That's Okay. I think the biblical truth is more important for us to understand than our comfort or convenience this morning. But look at what he says at the end of verse 24. He says, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. That's a staggering statement. I'm filling up what is lacking in the afflictions, the sufferings of Christ. What could be lacking in Christ's affliction? Jesus on the cross, didn't he declare it is finished? Didn't he do everything in order to save us? Why would Paul say that something was lacking? Stay with me. Okay, in its purest and truest sense, the work of salvation is complete. 
Jesus has done everything necessary to save us. In another sense, however, that act of salvation is not complete in the sense of it being experienced and applied unless the gospel is heard and those who hear it get, are given the opportunity to respond. In other words, what would it matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no one ever heard about it? See, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And, and Paul is saying the sufferings of Christ, of Christ have not been applied in that sense. They're not perfectly complete in the fullest sense until you hear the truth of God, until you respond to the gospel. And Paul says, if it takes my suffering for you to hear the gospel, then I will gladly suffer. See, this truth is not popular, but it is biblical, and this is the truth. Suffering and sacrifice, it is the means that God has ordained to bring salvation to us. God did not bring salvation to us by Jesus being a millionaire. God did not bring salvation to us by Jesus naming it and claiming it or blabbing it and grabbing it. Salvation did not come to us by Jesus walking in blessings. It came through his sacrifice. It came through his suffering. It came through a cross. Oh, we would prefer that the means God uses to save the world would come through prosperity and blessing, but that's not biblical. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, just as the Father has sent me into the world, so I am sending you. Just like the Father sent Jesus into the world to bring salvation through suffering, so Jesus sends us into the world to extend his salvation through our sacrifice in making him above all. The suffering of Jesus is what accomplished our salvation. The sacrifice and suffering of his children is what will spread salvation. What did it cost you to receive this free gift of salvation? Absolutely nothing. Jesus paid it all. Are you willing to put Christ above all and do what it takes, even if that means you sacrifice, so that people all over the world can hear the same gospel message that you have believed. When you sacrifice understanding that God uses sacrifice, God uses suffering to advance the gospel, that brings joy. Here's number three. It's possible for us today to experience joy while suffering, while we sacrifice, when you become a contributor to the kingdom of God, instead of just being a consumer. And I'm going to put some stakes in the tent and camp here for just a little while. Verse 25, Paul says this, I became a minister or the other word for that is servant. I became a minister, a servant, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. 
to make the word of God fully known. That word minister, when he said that become minister, that doesn't mean he went to seminary and got a degree to be a minister. That doesn't mean professional ministry. That, that word literally means servant. It is not a reference to a professional position. It is a common word that could describe anyone. This is a question about how you see yourself and your role in the kingdom agenda of God through the ministry of his church. Do you see yourself as a minister, as a servant of the church, or do you see yourself primarily as a beneficiary of the ministry of the church? Look, you are either a contributor or you are a consumer. Your posture is one of two. It's either what can this church do for me or what role does God have for me in this church? There is nothing wrong from benefiting from the church. In fact, we want to be a blessing to you. But being a consumer should not be the primary posture that you have toward the church. Paul said that he was a servant according to the stewardship given to God for, to, it was given to him for the believers in that church. That was an individual assignment, something that was specifically given to God, given to Paul, and that's the way it works in our lives as well. God has a specific assignment, something that is specifically given to you to contribute to his church. Does God have a purpose uh, for the church as a whole? Does God have some big commission, some great commission for the church? Absolutely. But God also also has a purpose for your time and your talents and your treasure in the church. That is your stewardship. It is something God has given to you, but it's not for you. It's for the sake of someone else. I told you this wouldn't win me any preaching awards. Look at what he said in verse 27, verse 26. He said, this mystery is hidden for ages and generations, but now it's revealed to the saints. The mystery to which Paul is referring is Jesus. Jesus is the whole point of history. Every Old Testament prophecy, every mystery pointed to him. In verse 27, he says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of, the, of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Christ in you, which is Christ in you. Not only was Christ himself the mystery, but Christ in you is the mystery. Other people should look at you. They should look at our lives, and they should see something that can only be described as mysterious, but not that kind of mysterious, okay? That is gospel-centered, mysterious. Christ in you. Our neighbors should notice our benevolence. Our family should notice our forgiveness. Our colleagues should see our light shining. And that does not happen if you are a consumer. That only happens when you say, Lord, here I am. Use me as a contributor to your kingdom agenda through your church. 
him we proclaim, verse 28, warning everyone and, every, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Nothing you read, nothing you listen to, nothing you memorize, etc., will grow you into the person God has created you to be, quite like simply pouring yourself out, fulfilling your stewardship for others. Think about it this way. Fact. I am a fallen and broken person. Fact. I live in a fallen and broken world. Fact. I am surrounded and preaching to fallen and broken people. Therefore, because we are broken, we are not in a position to where Jesus is above all. We need someone to fix us. We need someone to show us through his sacrifice what it means to have a posture that says, not my will, but your will be done. You see, God does not waste one moment or even one second of your life, including those moments or those seasons in which you sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. So I want to pose to you just three questions that go right along with what we just talked about that I want you to chew on, I want you to think on. They're in your note, they're in the, if you want to use the app, these questions are in there. If you want to jot them down, if you don't have time to jot them down, I'll email them to you later, whatever. But I want you to mull on these questions this week. Am I willing? Will I commit myself to focus on what can be gained through my suffering instead of what my suffering causes me to give up? Well, I ask God to use my sacrifice, my suffering, and, or the suffer, that sacrifice might bring forth to advance the gospel in someone's life. Well, I commit to using everything God allows to come into my life to contribute to the agenda of his kingdom. Ultimately, we are able to sacrifice and suffer well with joy because of our example, Jesus Christ. The verse sitting in the apps, not on the outline, it's not really on the screen, but it just comes to mind. Let this mind be in you, Philippians chapter 2, which was also in Christ Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus knows what it's like to sacrifice. He left heaven to come to earth. Talk about a sacrifice. That makes my sacrifice seem kind of measly. That he left heaven to come to earth. Lived, lived a life I could never live. And died a death I should have died. He sacrificed it all so I could have eternal life. And now his challenge to me is to put him above all. And in putting him above all, I too 
must sacrifice. And know that that sacrifice, if it's done for his kingdom, will accomplish much. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe his sacrifice for you has never been applied to your life. You're hearing the gospel today, so you have no excuse. When you stand before God, you cannot claim to him that you did not hear about a Savior who sacrificed and who called you to put him above all. You have heard that message today. If there's never been a time in your life when you place Christ above all, today you can make him your Lord and Savior by confessing your sin, repenting of it, and trusting in the work of Jesus. Maybe there's some other step you need to take today, some other decision you need to make. Maybe God's placed upon your heart to put him above all in following him in baptism. Maybe God has revealed to you that maybe you've been a bit of a consumer and it's time to be a contributor. Maybe your task this morning is to make this church your home through which you can be a contributor to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is accomplished by the church and the work and the ministry of the church of God. I don't know what decision God's placed on your heart today, but I want to take just about half a minute this morning. This is going to be our invitation. We'll take about half a minute this morning. And we're just going to, we're going to sit before God and you just pretend that it's just you and God here and, and no one is going to, to be looking around at you. Nobody's going to come mess with you. No one's going to do anything else. We're just going to take half a minute for you to make a decision for Jesus, for you to respond to what the Spirit has placed upon your heart. When you make that decision, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to rejoice in that with you. So if you make a decision for Christ today, your next step, tell us what that next step is. Take out that yellow card and, and tell us what that next step is. <clears throat> when you leave here today, drop that card in the receptacle. We'll follow up with you this week to, to help you take that next step in your journey. Just for about, about 30 seconds, I want you just to be still before God, be quiet before God. This is your commitment to God in this span of time. Father God, I don't know what decisions need to be made here today, but I believe you've given us a space and a Holy Spirit to, to make those decisions. And Lord, I pray for whatever step is next for everyone in this room, whatever it takes to put you above all, even if that means that we sacrifice some things, that we'd be willing to, to look at your example to see how you sacrificed all for us, and we'd be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes make you above all. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, before we have, we're going to have a closing prayer. Tony Harris is going to lead our prayer <clears throat> as we leave today. And I just, uh, before that happens, I just want to let our guests know again, we're so glad that you came today and that you joined us for worship. And I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'll be at the Next Step desk. It's the desk that's right out here. Go out these doors to the right. There it is. I'd love for you to stop by and say hello. Or if you've made a decision, you can share that decision with me, guest or member, and uh, let me know that decision. 
uh, the next step you need to take. Let me make one prayer request to you. Uh, many of you know uh, <coughs> Stephen Johnson. He grew up here in this, in this church. That's Mary Johnson's son, T. Saul's son. T. Saul was here for many years uh, before he passed away several years ago. Uh, Stephen un- regrettably and, and tragically took his life uh, yesterday. And that is a, uh, or early this morning at some point, we don't really have all the specific details. But if you would, in your prayers this week, I know he's been gone from here for, uh, for, for several years, but a lot of you know him from when he grew up here. If you would, just pray for Miss Mary, pray for their family. And if you ever get into a position where you feel like your back is against a wall, may I just remind you and encourage you that uh, that is a, a tragic decision that lasts forever. And I've oftentimes heard people say that taking your life is a decision that is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're in a place where you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. If you don't have someone to talk to, I only work two days a week, Sunday and Wednesday, according to some of you. So uh, call our church office, shoot me an email if you ever get to a point where you don't think it's worth it. Uh, I would love to share with you how God says you're worth it. And if you need to talk to someone, by all means, please reach out and talk to someone. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon.